Welcome to Discoculia Headlines Weekly, a podcast where we share news, information, resources, tips and tricks about Discoculia. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and then search for Discoculia Headlines. You can also find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and then click on the podcast page. Just to help children with Discoculia, Chinese and US fraction knowledge compared. Do cell phones and calculators help or hinder? For Discoculia, specific teaching is required. And how do you classify Discoculia? This is DiscoculiaHeadlines.com, the weekly podcast for week 32 in 2016. Welcome, Dr. Schroeder, the founder of DiscoculiaServices.com. Well, thanks for having me. Here we are. This is so interesting. We have very complicated orders today. Very complicated links. Let's dive in immediately. Here's somebody who says that chess will help children with dyscalculia. I, I, would, have, I would have bet on, on a board game where you use dice and, and have to count as a game to help, but not chess. Well, he comes later into board games and puzzles so as well. Yeah. Oh, he does. So this is uh, Mr. Franco, a Canadian math teacher, and his website is uh, mathandchess.com. Okay. Now, he sees kids as young as, as five who actually start to struggle in math. And um, this is just like I hear a lot myself. Mm-hmm. He says... Some of the parents say, oh, um, their kids did not concentrate, or they didn't work hard enough, or they are still too young, and you can postpone uh, any help. Um, Those would be excuses that parents use, yeah. Yeah, without actually realizing that these kids try very, very hard, but they struggle and they just can't do it. So we need to do something about it instead of just... <clears throat> saying they have to work harder. Right. Now, some kids do not see a pattern, uh, or they can't compare numbers. Mm-hmm. And when playing a strategy game, they only look at one piece at a time. They don't even pay attention to That's what the other... That's pretty much how I play chess. I move one piece, <laughs> and then my brother will take the piece within seconds. <laughs> Well, so they, they indeed, uh, like you say, they, they can't. Um, it's my strategic vision. Yes. Um, divide their attention between their own pieces and their opponent's pieces. Okay. Yeah, um, and he has seen kids do better after playing chess and uh, also doing puzzles. Now, I think that playing chess. Uh, is practicing a lot of the basic skills that you can also use for math. So I can definitely see the relationship between the two. And because it's a game, it's not seen by kids as learning, like having to write down uh, multiplication tables. Mm -hmm. So I also feel the same way um, when he mentions doing puzzles is beneficial. Because when a kid does a puzzle... Uh, he actually learns that it's completely normal that you do not know the solution immediately. Right. So that you have some productive struggle to get there and that they are actually very proud if they get the solution. So that whole um, thinking practice um, that they would do for a puzzle or in a chess game, they can also use that when they do uh, math. Um, 
math is also training visual spatial skills because you have that location have on the board, the okay. um, board which yeah. is something that um, is not trained when you only do uh, pen and paper math and writing right. writing numbers, but it's still an important right. component right. that they also need oh, to... Oh, chess pieces uh, are in fact manipulative, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, if you have a chess set or, or other board games or, or puzzles, introduce kids to it and, and make it a fun activity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, I remember my, my, uh, in my school um, in the past, we had a chess club. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure it helped me with my math, but, <laughs> but we did have a chess club, yes. Um, now, our next link, and I think chess is that an old Chinese, uh, Chinese game? Anyway, the next link is... From East um, Russia, I think. Oh, East Russia, oh dear. Uh, because the next link is actually comparing the Chinese and the United States children in their knowledge of fractions. Mm-hmm. Now, what have we learned there? Yeah, this, this is from uh, PubMed. And uh, Tian and Ziegler from the Hamel Institute on Disabilities... Uh, actually start out to say that uh, learning fractions is difficult for children in general and especially difficult for children with mathematics difficulties uh, or dyscalculia. So they probably uh, read my website. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly the same is over there. Now just just joking of course. But it is a generally known fact that uh, fractions are, are a huge stumble block. Yeah. Now, it is known from previous research that uh, children in the U.S. uh, have a a math disability start middle school with less understanding of fractions uh, than their average achieving peers, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Now, what's even worse is that this gap is widening in the middle school years. Yeah, so they they fall uh, behind even further. Oh, okay. Now, in contrast to this, the lower third achieving kids in China have an okay understanding of fractions. Yeah. So, for Chinese ideas, they are like um, kind of behind, but they still understand the fractions. So, how did that work? Yeah. Um, so, now we come across um, instructional techniques in. Uh, that are used in China and, and specific interventions that helped uh, these Chinese kids with, uh, although they had a math learning disability, they still mm-hmm. were able to grasp it. And exactly these activities and interventions are uh, used for uh, children in the US, and we saw that it was um, effective. So this actually uh, gives a lot of hope for the improvement of fraction knowledge in the U.S. Uh, students. Even if you're struggling with, with math in general. Absolutely. Very yes. interesting. That is very interesting. That would be very helpful for many, many children. Now, our next link is interesting. It is <laughs> This is the ever-increasing march uh, of the cell phones and calculators. I can still remember when the first little Japanese calculators uh, came that were portable... Uh, mm-hmm. little, little plastic machines and, and one of the kids in the class would have one and then the teacher would get all fired up the, because if you had your, your calculator you would never learn your math facts and so they were quickly banned 
from our from our classroom. Although my son uses his his calculator and his cell phone, I think equally much during his uh, school uh, school times. So yes, absolutely, times have changed. So yeah. I I remember my dearly beloved. Um, uh, math calculator that looked like a, a ruler and it had some sliding things inside and you could do all kind of interesting things with it even even up to calculus anyway so right now this is a um, a blog or, or a link from David Parker from Madison Wisconsin and he says that calculators and cell phones actually hinder students' math skills. Yeah, it's a letter to the editor. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Um, he tutored in several locations. And he has been involved in a program aimed at closing the achievement gap of children of color and, and low income and, and anybody failing in math. Okay. Now, um, what he saw was that... Um, uh, the kids who were used to um, do a lot of calculations on a calculator really early on uh, did not develop as much skills as those who uh, who tried to do it um, uh, mentally. Okay, so there is uh, something in there. Yeah, he and and he was involved in a, in a training program where the kids for a whole semester had two one-hour tutoring sessions each week. Mm -hmm. And after doing that, he says that um, he really feels that uh, the electronics are, are hampering their progress. Okay. That's it's a real issue and that these things are used way too early, that kids rely on a calculator to do the most easy types of uh, calculation. And also that they're attention is getting divided between paying attention to the lessons and handling, uh, handling the cell phone and right. keeping right. Um, keeping track of their uh, their Facebooks and, and, and uh, all kind of uh, social media. So he feels um, for now cell phones should be blocked during the lesson mm. and that the kids should update their status. Like in a break, <laughs> right? I, I don't see, yeah, there's absolutely no, no, no need to update your Facebook status while while you're in the, in the lesson. I can see for the children with dyscalculia uh, that they would need to do some calculations uh, on a calculator because otherwise, if you have a problem set that they need to develop that has multiple instances, then when they start off with the first calculation wrong. Everything will be wrong and be devastating for them. Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, but it should not take the place of the base ten knowledge. You know, you should should build that up without without a calculator. Sure. And for the kids with dyscalculia who do everything much slower than the other kids to just keep up with like a complicated word problem, right. uh, when they have a calculator, um, I think that can really help her, them as long as at another moment. You still take some time to work on math facts and on estimation skills, so right. that they not blindly have to rely on that calculator right. and, and that do not even see if they type in a question wrong or they forget the decimal dot, and they get uh, a completely um, impossible answer yeah. that they they actually see. Hey, there's something wrong here. I need right. to redo this. Right. So. 
yes, I feel that for uh, kids with dyscalculia, a calculator can be beneficial at times, as long as you also work on the other mental um, calculation skills. Yeah. We're talking with Dr. Schroeder, and we're looking at the links provided on our website, dyscalculiaheadlines.com. Now, our next link, um, and what we're saying here is that for dyscalculia, specific teaching is required. And I think this article underlines it, and it's uh, and it's uh, and it's it's good to uh, to reiterate this. Uh, it's from uh, pediatric uh, neurology, mm -hmm. so it's a very credible source that we can uh, cite here. What else can we learn from this piece? Yeah, this is written by uh, Isabel Repin. She has written uh, many more things on uh, learning and uh, dyscalculia. Mm -hmm. And it's called Dyscalculia and the Calculating Brain. Um, Dr. Rappan mentions that uh, basic skills first, like subitizing, uh, when you see a small number of objects or dots, say two to four, you can immediately um, perceive and, and realize that the number of that. And the approximate number sentence that helps us to see differences between larger groups of uh, dots or objects is um, one of the, the um, basic centers in the brain that we use for uh, calculation. And secondly, the exact number system uh, where uh, we uh, develop our uh, number line. And she also says that uh, two-thirds of the kids with dyscalculia also have another developmental disorder, like dyslexia or ADHD, anxiety, mm -hmm. um, visual-spatial issues, or, or cultural deprivation. Now, this is written for uh, medical doctors, for physicians, mm -hmm. and um, she is... Um, She's telling a, a, about a lot of basic math um, skills that are important to know about. So math activity is, uh, for instance, less strongly uh, lateralized than uh, language activities. You, you have, you, most people know that um, language predominantly resides at the left brain, but math is, uh, we use both um, hemispheres for the there, there are some left-to-right differences, like the approximate number system mm -hmm. is uh, somewhat more right-sided. So I hope that we do not get people who immediately say that yeah. approximate number <laughs> is only at the right side. Right, it is right, right. somewhat more right-sided. Don't send us your letters immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and except exact number work is and calculations are a little bit more left-sided. Now... Maturation and um, increased number skill practice um, helps students uh, with dyscalculia to rely less on areas that were initially not even meant to do numerical work. So I think that is one of the issues that they set out to use um, an area in the brain that is not uh, meant for uh, in fact it's re numerical. retraining the brain it's retraining and the using brain. another part of the brain that's not been been assigned this specific math task yeah to, uh, to try start using to, the brains that right. are uh, more um, right 
It's the equivalent if you cannot walk on, on, on two legs, so you use one arm to yeah. you know to help out there. Yes. So this article is, is written to update child neurologists and other professionals about dyscalculia. And uh, the estimation is that 5 or 6% of children have dyscalculia. And like I said, two-thirds of them also have another uh, issue. Now, there is a lot of important information in this article. Mm -hmm. uh, let me just mention one. Kusian is a researcher, and he tested learning with functional MRI after having kids with dyscalculia from age to from 8 till 10 and a control group playing a computer game that was designed to help kids with dyscalculia. Mm -hmm. Now, the problems on the computer were shown on a spaceship okay. flying above a number line. And okay. that number line uh, was from 0 to 100, and in the middle above that was hovering that um, spaceship, spaceship uh, around the number 50. And the kids had to answer questions on that spaceship by moving it uh, along the number line to the estimated place of the answer. Okay. And, and they played this for a quarter of an hour um, daily for five weeks. Okay. So, not actually that long, but that already showed a difference in the brain centers they used for math. So, there was already retraining oh, going on after five weeks in of both playing. Groups. Uh, no, basically in the dyslexia group. In the dyscalculia uh, group. group. Yeah. Okay. Now, Interesting. Uh, actually, I have recommended a somewhat similar game uh, to students with dyscalculia. That is part of a game series called Math Planet. It was developed at Carnegie Mellon. And in this um, game, it was not developed specifically for kids with dyscalculia, but with... Um, for math in general, mm -hmm. uh, math problems in general. And what happened here was that uh, they see a rocket that uh, drops a bullet at a location on a number line. And they had to estimate where the number on the number line was. But in this game, they changed the number line. It was not always from 0 to 100, but sometimes it was like from 1 till 10, and they had to figure oh, okay. out where 6 or 7 was, or it was from 0 to 1, and they had to figure out where a half or 3 quarters was. So, um, a similar type of learning, but um, also with uh, smaller numbers and with fractions. Now, um, this article here is primarily for physicians who talk with parents uh, about how many research is needed and to highlight um, the importance of educational tests. Yeah. The educational testing will show if there are other routes um, that cause the dyscalculia, like, like what I mentioned, the ADHD, anxiety, depression, that can be treated. Yeah. Another uh, area they mentioned is we now hear a lot about transcranial, magnetic, electrical and random noise stimulation. Mm -hmm. Now, my Zapping the brain. Absolutely. That's how I translate that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, in different uh, yeah. modalities. Right. That might change the activity of an underlying uh, brain circuit. And right. that might help people with a learning disability or a psychiatric disorder. Now, uh, 
this is really interesting research and we need to keep following it but it's still in the early years and we need way more research about safety and uh, about efficacy before this becomes uh, ethical to um, to provide it to the public. Right. So basically uh, imaging studies show that working with numbers activates number uh, networks both on the right and left side of the brain particularly in a specific region called IPS, interparietal sulcus, um, but several others, uh, other areas are also involved and, and we need attention, working memory and, and long-term memory in the mix as well as the limbic system and other areas. Great. Well, thank you very much. This was a very complicated, uh, complicated piece, but it was written for physicians. Now, that brings us to our last um, link of the day and of this week. The, um, and this is about the analysis that they do to figure out if children have uh, dyscalculia. And, and we're talking about schools here, primary school children, and, uh, and so massive numbers of children. Mm -hmm. And so this is a study, I think, about two different methods uh, to do that analysis and then to see how can we have most accurate and, and, and the fastest results. Yes, this is, um, is actually an article from the International Journal of Science and Research and two experienced computer science researchers in Mumbai, India, Mrs. Sampada Marje and Dr. Seema uh, Purokit, I apologize if you I mispronounce names, these yes, names, yes. Um, have, <laughs> real <came> well. <laughs> have realized, well, there is still little attention for uh, kids who struggle with learning uh, disabilities in India, and particularly with dyscalculia. Mm -hmm. But they also know that it uh, is helpful to, um, to flag up which kids need help as right. early as possible. Now, uh, they have engaged in data mining and analyzed, um, if I remember correctly, 237 data sets of elementary schools around Mumbai, because that's where they're located. Uh -huh. uh, and they used the results of sp uh, specific tests, like uh, the results of um, a test with shape recognition, mm -hmm. size discrimination, number arrangements, grouping sets, place value, numeric calculations, and uh, two more, uh, difficulty with verbal analysis, so the word problems, and counting index. So these are tests that all the children... And they, that was readily like your, available. Like your Texas TAS test or... Yeah, yeah. They, they just do that in the schools the and they... Record the results, and it was available to them. And so now, and, and so now, these researchers are actually attacking those data sets with different analysis methods to yeah. find out: can we find from this data set which children need help because they may have dyscalculia? Absolutely. How can you Very use good. existing data sets to uh, find the kids who are at risk for uh, developing a math learning disability? Uh, in the coming years. So they used uh, different ways of classifying. 
uh, MLP and SMO and I'm not a computer scientist so I'm just uh, <laughs> saying the, uh, the what I uh, read in this article uh, one method is multilayer uh, perceptron and the other method used uh, SMO sequential minimal optimization and uh, afterwards they compared how uh, accurate the prediction of which child was developing dyscalculia uh, was and both systems actually did a fantastic job mm -hmm. um, SMO gave around 95% uh, accuracy that and pretty high. which was already yeah. for me stunningly high me mm -hmm. but the other one, the multilayer perceptron method actually gives the best accuracy and they scored right in 96% so that is that's fabulous. It's a major improvement over the 95% <laughs> <laughs> well basically they both did really well yeah uh, so we know the earlier you detect this cochlea and start helping the kids the better and we learn that these existing data uh, can be very useful now I do not know if in the US all these specific data that they have available in India it depends are on the test, of course, us. right? Because if the basic test that they do does not provide the base material that you could derive the dyscalculia from, yeah. If you only if you yeah. only record chapter tests yeah. that are very a specific yeah. and have a jumble of different abilities in them, I get that. you probably will not be able no. to do this data mining, right. but it might be possible that some schools in the US also register uh, pure data that we can um, that we can uh, use it's to definitely something to follow up with school districts and, and to look at what, what kind of testing what, is what is already available what and how we can there. use that yeah. instead of uh, having to test every child one well, by one. Leave it to the folks in India and they're on top of it. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this, uh, this is about all we, uh, we have time for this week. Um, Dr. Schroeder, the founder of DiscalculiaServices.com, you can follow her on Facebook and on Twitter. And she has her own website, discoculiaservice.com. On that website, you can find free downloads. you got to register, though. And uh, there is a free discoculia screener available as well. You can also follow her. She has a five-part series uh, with webinars. And you can find that on webinars.discoculiatrainingcenter.com. And she has an e-book out on amazon.com. And the e-book is called... Yeah, it's Discoculia, the Forgotten Learning uh, Disability. So true. Thank you very much, and uh, we hope to see you back next week. See you next week. Thanks so much. Discoculia Headlines Weekly is a production from discoculiaheadlines.com. You can find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com, and we are on Twitter at discoculiahead. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a board on Pinterest and on Flipboard. Search for Discoculia Headlines, or follow the links on our webpage. You can send your questions, comments, and contributions to communications at discoculiaheadlines.com and we may even discuss it in one of our upcoming podcasts. We hope this was useful for you, and until next week, you can count on us. <laughs>